I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Thanks again for joining me on part two of this two-part series where I got to speak at Michigan State University. Here in our question and answer session, we connect on the ideas of knowing who's counting on you. Selfless service, asking for help when you need help, building lasting relationships, why you should embrace failure. Also, why you must go deep with your mission. The truth that your circle of influence is always bigger than you believe it is. And lastly, how accountability groups has evolved my life and how they can evolve your life as well. Let's get started. I'd love to take some questions. I'd love to talk about the PACE plan and I'd love to challenge some of your goals and see if we can shift them to missions. Anybody with the first question? You could ask me the or questions too. I don't love those, but I answer those. Go for it. Uh, obviously you went to the military, so you have a good uh, basis for discipline. And so if you feel like you're struggling with your discipline, what advice do you have for that? So the question was, if you're struggling with discipline, what advice do you have? We were sharing about this a bit earlier. You can't go it alone. One of the advantages the military has is it's a, like you go to basic training, and basic training is a controlled environment. They tell you when to wake up, they tell you when to go to bed, and they tell you how to train every second of the day. And trust me, even though you signed up to be there, after day one, you don't wanna be there. It's just hard, it's different. But what you find is that because you're doing something hard with others, you have people counting on you, people to the left and to the right of you, then you start to say, you know what? He fails if I fail, so I can push myself one step further. And if you're approaching life alone, if you're doing school just for yourself, there's no two people you put down as who's counting on you. What's gonna happen is, when things get challenging, when things get hard, you're just gonna be like, you know what? The only person I'm letting down is me. That's what I've found is why people struggle with discipline. Anybody else? I'm from Chicago. Mm -hmm. I'm in the JD program at South Suburban College. Mm. And um, I was struggling with um, completing the courses. So I started listening to um, Mr. Thomas. Mm. He helped me change some things, motivating and getting up at three and all those other things, right? So now I'm at the math part and I'm struggling. So I said to myself, well, maybe you need to go here and hear this guy yeah. and get some, something else. Yeah. So I set out to come here today from oh, Chicago. Wow. And I got all the way here. And, and as soon as I got off like the expressway to come here, my GPS said like eight minutes away and it went off. Okay, you talked about a mission, right? Yeah. Over to the right, to the left, and it was a taxi van right there. I'm like, man, this, he finna take me to where I need to go. <laughs> and he brought me here, man, and just what you just spoke of, like completing the mission, and um, appreciate that. Well, well, first of all, thank you for coming, and thank you for sharing that. And it's that strategic. <laughs> I'll tell on myself, I didn't join the military seeking to be a hero. Now, everyone in my family served. I have four brothers, they all served, and I was the holdout. I was terrified, I was terrified. And you know, you have brothers, if you have brothers, you understand. Peer pressure does work when they're your brothers. They're like, you're gonna serve. So a few years later at a family reunion, they were like, Bernard, where have you been at? I'm like, what do you mean where I've been at? I'm in the military. 
I was like, yeah, but we're in the reserves. I'm like, come on. So I'm missing everything because I'm an all-in person. So you tell me to sign up for something. I'm signing up. And I ended up in a special ops unit. And some of the things I've learned and seen, we live in a very impressive country. The ability for people to push themselves and stand in the gap for others. Now, the military has, the army specifically, has these values. Loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. I only struggled with one of those values, selfless service. And here's why. We're having this conversation, and the drill sergeant was like, so because you're the lowest ranking person, if we ever happen to be in the situation where there was a grenade on the ground, you're supposed to jump on the grenade. I was kind of stuck. I was like, did you clear this with my mama? Because she don't want me jumping on grenades. That's just not how this works. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, no, but that's selfless service. That's you laying down your life for what you believe. I'm like, I didn't say I believe this stuff. I just want to work here for a little bit and go home. He was like, well, this is not one of those jobs. You might be asked to do something like jumping a grenade. So I had to get serious about my mission. And see, I was attached to the Green Berets. I didn't want to be a Green Beret. Very impressive individuals, very risky job. And when I got to their unit, what I didn't know was I don't get to train at my level. I have to train at their level because I go to war with them. I'm like, I did not sign up for this. That was not on my forms. So again, struggling with selfless service. But here's what helped me. When you meet people who are willing to jump on that grenade, you're like, man, the first time you're like, you a little slow. Like, just be real. That's how I was thinking. I was like, you got problems. But then the, when the next person's willing to do it, and then the next person, I realize that, wow, I'm a part of something bigger than me. And if whatever you're doing is bigger than you, selfless service, serving others, doing it for the greater good becomes super easy. Anyone else? Summer. We kind of talked about this earlier, but I'm just going to say it again. So, like, if anybody's feeling the need, like, to ask this question, but I'm nervous, like, when you're struggling, like, with fear to seek help for yourself, like, where do you start? Great question. So, one of the noises of battle that I heard, now, you guys would say, Bernard, you're a pretty confident speaker. Well, I didn't think so. But here's the truth. I knew that I had something to share with veterans. Why? Because we've been at war for over a decade. So there's so many people leaving the service to continue to live their life beyond the uniform. Now, my transition was uh, pretty successful, pretty public. I was able to leave the military and, and go to work at Microsoft, where I work now. And Microsoft did an amazing job at starting this pilot program that allowed me to transition to be a software developer at Microsoft. And what I found was that story was rare. A lot of our veterans were transitioning and things weren't as smooth for them summer. A lot of them were struggling and they didn't know how to ask for help or even who to go to to start that process. But they wanted to take their training and their skills and do something even better. So I said, you know what? I need to start having more conversations, speaking to veterans, letting them know that there are organizations to help them. There's people like myself and others who are willing to pave a path for them and connect them with some people. But the biggest thing, they weren't asking for help. Now their family members might ask for help for them. They're like, hey Bernard, my brother's struggling. This is what's going on. But that veteran themselves, they weren't reaching out and asking for help. And I think students go through the same thing. You know, you're one in this massive lecture hall of students. You might be struggling with that chemistry. You might be struggling with that math class. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what? 
I might just need to drop the class. It might just be me. But what I found was, just like with these veterans, when you ask for help, when you get connected, there are people who can mentor you. Like for me in my speaking, Dr. Thomas mentored me. And woo, I got better quick, <laughs> as you can imagine. But if I didn't ask for help, if I didn't share the areas where I felt self-doubt, some concern, then he wouldn't be able to say, this is what you do well, this is what you can do better. And I think it's the same thing. And I was sharing with Summer, when I was in university many moons ago, I was in the room and someone called me sir, so whew, I felt super old, but I get it and I take it. But here's the truth. I had a biology professor, extremely amazing professor, but she loved biology because she grew up on a farm. And I didn't love biology, I just needed to take the class. I just, I just needed to take the class. And she wanted us to love biology. And I was like, Miss Wade, I don't love biology. I just need to pass your class. She was like, you're not gonna pass my class with that attitude. So I didn't live on campus. I drove to campus every day. So one morning, she was my 8 a.m. class. I drove to campus, got to class. She said, Bernard, I have nothing for you guys. So she dismissed the class. And I'm like, uh-uh, I just drove an hour to sit in this class. You're gonna teach me something. She was like, okay, we're gonna wait to see who else stays. And I was the only one who stayed because I drove and I, you know, I kind of had to stay. And she said, what do you want to learn? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. She's like, what do you mean you don't know? You made this big stink about me teaching you something. What do you want to know? I was like, I just need to know what I need to know to pass the test. Like, I don't love biology. I'm not gonna love biology, but I need to pass your class. And she said, okay, since you really care, this is what I'm gonna do for you. So during her lectures from there forward, anytime it was something that would be on the test, she'd say, Bernard, put a star next to that. That's gonna be on the test. And it hit me, I could have been passing her class the whole time if I had just said, I suck in biology and I need your help. And I think it's that simple. Sometimes you just have to make that connection and let someone know that you need help. Anyone else? Oh, I've got a question about your transitioning out of the military. Uh, and have you been able to utilize your military job in your current profession? Were you like in com or? Absolutely. So I left the military and I was trained to be a software developer. What was cool about it was Microsoft spun up a pilot program to train soldiers while they were still on active duty to learn how to code. And I started working on machine learning tools and artificial intelligence tools that we build into cloud software. Now, without going into too much detail, because it is super techie, a lot of what I saw in the military, minus the AI, because that's a little bit, was pretty similar. So I was able to take advantage of what I had already seen and worked on more from a consumer standpoint, seeing it in full application and bring it back to the place where it starts. Because one of the tough questions, you know, I always got to say was, well, this is cool technology, but would it work in Afghanistan? You know, because that was my real life experience. And all of a sudden, I had a developer team always thinking that way. Would this work in this area without high-speed internet, without always-up connectivity? So definitely, I was able to apply it just a bit. From that experience, can you perhaps talk about how college students might face similar challenges as they transition oh, yeah. to college? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's my topic. I appreciate that. I love talking transitions because I think many of us still want to believe that it's a lot easier than it is. And it's the belief that slows down your progress. There are amazing companies out there and you can probably build your own company. You know, so there's so many opportunities. But I think at times the belief is that 
I'm so great at what I did and learned that I can just walk in the front door and everything will work out for me. And we have military service members leaving the military the same way. I achieved this rank, I did these things, and I'm gonna walk out the door and walk in the front door and everything's gonna work for me. And my challenge is that it's about relationships. And many of us don't spend any time cultivating the relationships that opens the doors for what we wanna in the future be connected with. Now, maybe one of you would like to work at Microsoft in the future. I work at Microsoft, build a relationship. Without knowing it, we come in contact with people all the time who can open a door or point us in the right direction, but because we never humble ourselves and go deep and ask, would you mind? At times, I do get to interview people from Microsoft, and one of the most powerful things that always hits me is that they never ask, what should I ask? Like, I'm an insider, I work there. You're an outsider, you wanna work here. But you never ask me specifically, what do I need to know? Anytime I'm in an interview, Anytime I'm in an informational interview or a transitional coaching conversation, that's my first question. What should I be asking? What are some of the things I need to think about to successfully transition to this role? As you can imagine in technology, things change very quickly. So someone could have mastered one computing language, but the hiring cycle for that language is over. And they're an expert in that language, but they never ask, what should I know? Or what two languages should I be learning so that my skills are still relevant? And I think it's the same for students as well. Like you push yourselves, you level up, but without knowing it, you didn't connect with a mentor to actually allow you to see exactly where the industry is going and then open a door and connect you with the people you need to know to truly launch your career. That was a great question. How do you ever fail in like either one of your, you know, like your professions and like what was the way that like you recovered from it? <laughs> I believe in failure. I know many of us don't, but one of the strategies that the Army does better than I think maybe any organization on the planet is train. And the way they know you need more training is that you fail. So they test you, they say, Bernard, come, you're going to the shooting range, and now you gotta hit this target so many times. And when I underperform, if I had to hit 27 out of 27, and I hit 15 out of 27, then they say, we need to retrain you, because you're underperforming. Many of us don't even like to take tests. Many of us don't even like to get the results and then making the adjustments that that feedback allowed. So I like failure because in failing, I know exactly where I need to make the adjustment. It's no longer guesswork. That 75 is a 75. That 60 is a 60. And now I know there's 40 more points for me to, to grab to get to that 100. But many of us, if we keep resisting the test, if we keep resisting the challenges of life, then we don't get the feedback that allows us to make the adjustment. Now I'm gonna talk about a big public company failure that we all know because there is no Microsoft phone. Microsoft is a technology company. They were the largest technology company at the time. They actually bailed Apple out at some point in technology history. Apple currently is the biggest company on the planet. And see, because we didn't fail, we didn't humble ourselves and make the adjustment. So now there's no Microsoft smartphone. How foolish do you think we feel? We missed a huge opportunity. And even as I work internally at the company, some of the tough conversations I've had to have, well, Bernard, we, I don't really like that change. And I'm talking to senior developers, people who have been at the company for years. And four years ago, I always used one conversation to help change their mind. Four years ago, our stock price was at $30 a share. It's over 90 today. 
If you change, if you adjust, if you win. If you learn from your failures, you win. But if you still keep trying to do it your way without the feedback that failure gives you, you lose. So I love to fail because you truly get the information you need to make the adjustment if what you're working on is a mission. When you were talking about having your mission and that if you don't accomplish or you fall short in your mission, and then you said it affects other people, can you explain what you meant by that? Absolutely. I'll go personal first. Now, my wife is always on my list as one of my top whys. And she's not super soft or super emotional. But when she was telling me about Ashley, the young lady who at 19 lost her husband, I saw one tear come down her eyes. She fully supported me when I joined the military. She knew it was a part of my family legacy. It was something we all did. She was actually with me in the recruiter's office. And the recruiter was like, I've been a recruiter for 10 years. I've never seen a husband and wife walk in my front door at the same time. So when she was sharing with me, Bernard, how long are you gonna do this? She was really sharing with me that there's things that's simply outside of our control. Is there any other way that you can continue to serve? Because I know that's what it's about for you. And I had never considered it. But I knew if I had re-enlisted and I went to OCS, which was a part of my plan, that my number one mission, my marriage, I would have let my wife down. Will we be together today? We probably would have made it. But the truth is, I don't think we would have had a deep as relationship as we do if a part of my life's workflow was going to war as it was for over six years of my life. And I think for students, your parents, if they are making the investment for you to come to school, that's a big investment. And their return on, on that investment is you just excelling at it, you finding what's next for you, you going on to do something that you're passionate about. But I mean, we all know the numbers. Many students don't maximize that opportunity. Many students don't graduate. And I was one of those students when I was in university. I definitely could have missed the opportunity to stay the course, finish my mission and graduate. But my wife staged that very well-timed intervention and gave me an ultimatum. And for me, that was my trigger. And I was able to finish my mission and graduate. Also, so answer a question we were talking about earlier about how it wasn't like the kid's fault that the father was in yeah. the military. Yeah. Yeah. One of the conversations I was having with Summer, it's always a tough conversation for me to have, but it's so practical. My wife and I, we've been married 15 years. We don't have children on purpose. And we chose to live a certain way. In the six years I was in the military, I spent five of those years away from my wife. Tough, hard on a relationship, as you could imagine. But if I died, I'm not saying money replaces me, but the next day my wife would be a multimillionaire. And that's different from the person who's serving and who has small children. And I served with a lot of families like that. And I'd always be so nervous because where I could always see my adult wife moving on, I always remember their children. There are people who died at war and I know their children. And I think about that. And I always challenge people to think about the missions in their life and be honest about what doesn't go with that mission. And I'm not saying you have to do it the way we did it, but my challenge is that you consider, like getting married in university worked out for me. It worked out for me. <laughs> However, I've seen it not work out for a lot of people. And I think without knowing it, we add to our mission failure because we don't really 
go deep with what this mission requires. So whatever your mission is, whatever you wrote down and whatever you're gonna build a pace plan around, make sure that you go deep with that because without knowing it, you can add some unforced errors to your process. Anyone else? What if you feel like you don't have people to I love that. So for years, I used to operate as what I would describe as a lone wolf. And it's probably why the military profiled me so well for a special forces unit, because I was willing to do the hard things, and I was willing to train for what those hard things required. And I was always able to compartmentalize who was counting on me or who would feel the deepest loss if the worst case scenarios happen. The truth is, your circle of influence is always bigger than you think it is, like always. And I didn't like to admit that to myself. Like I have 25 nieces and nephews, 25. And it's probably why I don't have any babies of my own, plenty of us. And to them, you would think I spent a lot of time with them. They're always like, uncle, uncle. And I'm like, I see you like once a year, like chill. But to them, the time we do spend together is so rich for them. And for me, I would say the same thing. I only had one, my wife. And then it started to hit me that I have this large circle of influence. People who really enjoy the energy you bring around when you are around. And if you really think about the path that you open for others, you realize that there are more people on that list. Last week, my brother sent me a text message and he said, Bernard, me and my son, we were watching the new Spider-Man movie. And he said, Dad, Spider-Man is climbing the Washington Monument. Didn't we go there with uncle when he was speaking in DC? And I was like, how old was he at the time? He was like five. And my brother lived in Virginia at the time. And I told him, just come up to DC, we'll all hang out. And I wanted to you know, give the kids a tour of the Capitol, but you know, they were little. So we were like, just, we'll just drive around in a taxi. And he remembered that. So three years ago, he wouldn't have been in my list. It would just be my wife. But now as I really understand your circle of influence and your impact, I'm pretty sure there's someone, maybe a classmate, maybe a friend, could be a niece or nephew, someone that you naturally influence. And if you think about how you can create a bigger opportunity for them in the years to come, I'm pretty sure you could add them to your list. Hope that helped. The steps to build discipline. How deep do you want to go? Total life change or you're just testing it? Total life change. I'm on a men's accountability call every morning at 2 a.m. Every single day. We talk about what we're working on for the day. We talk about some of the challenges that we're having. And then if you need to go deeper with some of the experts in the group, you go deeper. Not a lot of men want to wake up at 2 a.m. to just sit around and talk to other men at 2 a.m. about their problems. But I want total life change. So I'm willing to do whatever is required of me. And it's the same for you. If you want total life change, if you're like, okay, Bernard, I'm you know, a B student, I wanna be an A student, you know who the A students are. Go get to know them and ask them what are their habits. And then after you get pissed because you don't really wanna do it, <laughs> then you remember that you were after total life change. Because here's the truth. Like you mentioned, Dr. Thomas wakes up at 3 a.m. So I have brothers, I mentioned that. And I, I also mentioned that their peer pressure type kind of works on me. One of my brothers had texted me, he was like, it's 2.30, are you up? I'm like, it's 2.30, why would I be up? Relax, go back to sleep. He was like, well, if Dr. Thomas is getting up at three and we live in Seattle and you said you wanna be as good of or a better speaker than him, you might need to wake up earlier than he did. I was like, did I say that? 
do you have proof that I said that? He was like, you said that, Bernard. So I'm going to need you to get up before he gets up. I was like, yeah, but he's old. He might get to bed earlier. He was like, well, you go to bed earlier. What's your excuse? And I made the adjustment. Total life change. And see, back to what I shared earlier, the military had a controlled environment. So they knew if you were willing, they could put you in one end of basic training and out of the other end of basic training, you're a soldier because they controlled every aspect of your life from your bedtime to your wake up time, your training, the types of foods you were allowed to eat. And slowly you started to have a total life change. And it's the same way. Now to accelerate that, depends on what extremes you want to add to your life. I believe in accountability groups. I just think that, as I shared earlier, too many of us are doing life alone, and that's how you get beat. Anyone else before we close? Okay, great question. So I don't know if you guys have heard of Breathe University. It's uh, Dr. Thomas's accountability group. Um, and I've been a part of Breathe University, I'd say, going on three years now. and. Uh, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm snitching. Dr. Thomas doesn't yell as much as he yells when he, <laughs> when he gives presentations. He really cares. I'll tell you my first conversation I had with him. I flew to Houston because I was thinking I was leaving one life coach in an accountability group and I was going to join Breathe University. But I was like, I, I'm not joining until I understand if they really believe what they're saying they believe. So I'm at one of Dr. Thomas's conference and I meet him in person and he's like, Bernard, what do you need from me? And I was like, um, I just left the military and in the six years I spent in the military, I spent five of those years away from my wife and I want to be a great husband. I want to make sure our relationship works and that it lasts. But I don't know how to do that because I was never around her enough. You know, and he was like, oh, that's easy. And at the time he was like, Bernard, I've been married 26 years. I've only been with one woman my entire life. I can teach you how to do that. Here's my cell phone number. And I'm like, I just met you. You can't just give me your cell phone number. And we just, he was like, Bernard, you got this wrong. He was like, I care about people. And if that's why you're here, I'll help you with that. So I joined Breathe University and, and it's been an amazing experience. And, and I always say, find the fit for you, you know, but that was a place where I found people of like mind who cared about character, who cared about things like integrity, who didn't live one way online, but behind the scenes, there were totally different people. So for me, that was one of the accountability groups that really helped me tap into the things that I wanted to do as I transitioned from the military. But make sure you, you, know, you research them and you really see if they're, they're real. All right, so let's take an unassisted breath together. And one more time, that air rushing in and out of your lungs is proof that there is a mission and it's up to you to finish the mission. Thank you.